0: Welcome to episode 8 of Punks in Pubs. My name is Liam Bird, and I hope you're all warm and well because Jesus Christ is it cold in the UK right now. It's been down to like minus 8, minus 10 in certain areas, and I look out the attic window and it is snowing. Uh, I hope you've all actually been enjoying the snow as well, enjoying your snow day, even though in this country we freak out about snow, even though it happens every year, and we actually live in a cold country, so I don't understand why it's still a massive surprise when it snows. We still can't get our shit together. Trains don't run, buses don't run, and we all drive like dicks. That is essentially what happens in a Britain snow day. Uh, The Beasts of the East, as it was dubbed by the media, it must have been someone who's a WWE fan who uh, dubbed that name because it sounds like the most wrestler name ever, The Beasts from the East. I'm not here to talk about The Beasts from the East. I am here to bring you the third best punk podcast podcast. Going. That's right, kids. Aim for the sky. Always aim for third. Because that's where everyone wants to be. Bronze. This week is me having a chat with a multi talented music composer, a Monger Hall guitarist, and Frank Turner and a Sleeping Souls keyboard player. That man is Matt Nazir. My interview with Matt took place on January 28th this year, just before the Monger Hall show at the Scala. We conducted our chit chat um, up in the bar on the balcony. And as you will hear, uh, the sound crew decide to belt out Atomic Kitten at the top of the uh, PA system, so I apologise for that in advance. In this episode, you will hear about Matt's life growing up and being part of the Nazia family cover band. Uh, He also talks about how Life on the Road, with the cast and crew of the Blues Brothers The Musical, was probably the most rock and roll he's ever been. Matt and I discuss our love for comic books, in particular Garth Ennis. Uh, Matt takes the piss out of my favorite movie, Jurassic Park, and he also reveals his passion for good soundtrack. And I take the piss out of his favorite movies. I pretend to know what Matt's talking about when he starts uh, boasting about his one of a kind baritone guitar that was made by Kurt Ballou of Converge. We also talk about the pure joy and mayhem that is Mungahords. Matt also recounts playing at the 2012 Olympics and having a cup of tea with J.K. Rowling. And finally. uh, Matt discusses the up-and-coming Frank Turner album number seven, while also revealing how he turned down Frank's request to join the band First Time of Asking. As always, there'll be a band playing out at the end of the show, and this week, playing us out, will be German pop-punkers, A Perfect Mess. But first, sit back and tell everyone around you to shut the fuck up and relax and listen to episode eight of Punks and Pubs with Matt Nazir. What's a time, then time, will calling out?
1: I know there's one in Chicago and Cincinnati called Yoke. and they do something called a South of the Border Benedict Yeah, which is kind of like spicy chorizo with the, your traditional uh, Benedict items but I'm, I'm, I'm a sucker for an ex-Benedict
0: can you, can you make a good hollandaise? Personally, no, I'm a terrible cook oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Is that from just a life on the road you're just never
1: really home? Well, I'm just, I'm just it's, it's the timing factor you, you know, like Mr. Benjamin Lloyd in, who's a, my compadre in the Sleeping Souls He's a marvellous cook, and you know, he's just got a really good dab hand for it. He also makes a mean old fashioned. Oh,
0: really? Yeah. That's always handy.
1: Oh. Little bit too handy. Sort of. <laughs> but yeah, no, it's, I've, I've never been very, very good at cooking. If I'm doing breakfast for myself at home, I'd probably do some kind of smashed avocado with uh, poached eggs or something like that. That's I'm
0: fine. an egg fan. <laughs> everyone, lo- everyone loves eggs, unless you're lactose intolerant then. Well, you're yeah. just shitting eggs. So the voice you heard there is uh, Matt Nazir. He is the guitarist in Monger Horse. He's also the keyboardist in uh, Frank Turner and the Sleeping Souls. It, but he's also, you probably might not know, he's also a uh, multi talented composer. You're too kind. We'll, we'll get back to the composing in two seconds because um, what I'm really interested with you is that you seem to play literally any instrument that you can get your hand oh, on and that's not true is Blow, it
1: not but, yeah. blowing instruments I'm particularly bad at yeah. <laughs> um, I can just about play a couple of uh, melodies on the harmonica in what? fact I've got a harmonica solo on a forthcoming Frank Turner track which may or may not be being released very soon
0: Is that insulting when Frank brings up just literally anyone To blow in a harmonica (laughs) Well uh, well, the thing with the harmonica is it's all in
1: one key Mm. So you can't necessarily play a bad note But I mean if you We've got a specific melody that needs to be played uh, Like on this new track It is only three notes I think or something like that So it's it's not, not too difficult I started off, we had a piano at home when I was a kid So I started noodling on the piano But that more gave me an idea of kind of the relationship of notes and the sort of music theory side of things Um, but I I, um, was a bass player by trade to start off with yeah so I played bass and then I did my first pro gig was a six month tour of Europe with the Blues Brothers musical playing loads of wonderful Donald Duck Dunn bass lines (laughs) and then got back to London and thought yeah I'm a musician let's go and then couldn't get any gigs whatsoever so I ended up playing guitar for many many years after that and then Frank put me out to graze onto keyboards, and there I have stayed for many, many, many years. Okay, so <laughs> oh, that sounds like you're waiting to be freed. No, honestly, at first I was kind of like, well, oh, you know, I, I can't get to move around, I can't get to do this. And then you watch Tarrant and Ben, and the sleeping Souls fly around the stage. And I'm thinking, hmm, no, I'm not going to do that. This is a good. This is a good
2: spot here. <laughs> yeah,
1: you know, I can have a nice glass of wine <laughs> at, the, <laughs> at the back there. And, no, it's good. It's 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 a fun. It's a fun setup sitting next to. Nigel Powell And we have a We have quite Quite the crack at the back While nobody's looking We joke with each other But it's good Yeah it's It's, it's really good fun Playing So if anyone
0: Anyone goes and Watch you guys Next time Watch make sure Watching you two At the back <laughs> most, For your shenanigans Most
1: people don't know To watch us at the back But it, yeah
0: And a few regulars That turn up to gigs Are aware of some in jokes So you quickly spoke about Blues Brothers tour there Blues Brothers for me Is one of those movies That you just watch With all your friends Because it's just a, it's, a, it's a laugh of a film but I never watched a stage show I can guess Repetitively playing that music Do you still Can you watch a Blues Brothers movie And yeah, still enjoy it?
1: Yeah I can I mean that was a long time ago I was 22 I was 40 on Friday So that was many many years ago Happy birthday Thank you um, But it, you know it's, it's the kind of thing where, where you're doing it The discipline of that Compared to playing Let's say um, A gig like Tonight's gig and, Or playing with Frank And things like that Is that you, you absolutely The challenge is to get it Spot on right every time you know there's no room for improvisation in that it's quite strictly chore- choreographed and quite strictly arranged for for good reason you know they've got producers of the show that know exactly what they want and that kind of thing so you know i i loved it i mean it, i i thought as a theatre production i thought well it's not exactly going to be rock and roll but it should be a good start mm. and i was just completely wrong <laughs> it was the most rock and roll tour I think I've ever done it was amazing
0: because you, you're quite cramped down aren't you because you're underneath the stage is that right
1: no no Blues Brothers Musical the whole band's on stage in a scaffolding oh okay you know like Celebrity Squares Yeah. imagine that <laughs> yeah. And you're I, top right I was bottom
0: right oh bottom right yeah good place What
1: bottom right yeah, yeah it was great for me I don't really like heights so uh that was fun, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Occasionally you'd wander around, if, it, but I know it wasn't. I was, I was happy in the, the bottom right square.
0: We should explain that we're actually uh, just before the uh, Mungahore show at the Scala tonight. Mm-hmm. You guys have just come off like a week-long tour. Three dates. Three dates. We've done before this year. I've heard Frank say that bands, American bands who tour constantly, you can tell because they shit all over British bands because they're constantly touring. You guys tour when you can. Mungahore? Horde? yeah very much so yeah so as a band how do you how do you click like how do you get to that motion (laughs) or is it just wing it well if
1: you get as drunk as Mr Benjamin Dawson did on stage last night sometimes you don't click and (laughs) I I can see him on stage looking at me thinking are you talking about me you swine and I am Ben yes Um, so you've got you do have um, points where you don't click I mean the the thing with Mongol Horde is it's it's just a lot of fun yeah and if this wasn't fun we wouldn't do it you know Mm. um but yeah frank is i I'm not sure about the American or British. Thing. I don't think it really matters where you're from. I think you can spot the bands that just gig and gig and gig and gig because there's just this inbuilt tightness that is incredibly impressive with 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 a lot of acts when if you go and see them and you you, you they just absolutely nail it they know what's you know you know what's coming they can f- feed off each other they know, you know you can see that kind of rapport and you can hear it and I yeah. so no, we've never really had that opportunity, and uh, we did. One
0: string of dates, but I think it was like sort of six or seven dates. It was about it. Okay, let's bring it back to the beginning for you. I'm mm-hmm. guessing with family. As I said, I touched on the. I think you're quite a musical person with with what you will pick up and play. And and we've already we're going to go back to it. But uh you composing music is that from a family of musicians or yeah? So my um, uh, my parents were in a sort of semi pro covers band and function band for many
1: years. I'd I'd, I'd wake up at. Some club with them playing sort of Jeff Beck and Stones numbers and that kind of yeah. thing, like sort of in the back room, underneath the jacket, thinking when can we go home? Uh, <laughs> and uh, no, so that was you know, for many years. And I, I we, myself, and my brothers all kind of did our apprenticeship playing gigs with them. I started, I started playing bass for them when I was about sort of twelve or thirteen, which is a great discipline because you, with my mum scowling at me from the front if I'm too loud or putting in some cheesy fill. You know, it's it's good. It's a good discipline. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but yeah, I I was kind of I've kind of been composing ideas since I was about seven.
0: Really? Okay. That, yeah. So, do you remember the moment when you gone? I, I I I can do this. You can pitch your music and you can structure it and you can frame it.
1: Well, I think everything. I think everything has you know has influenced. I think the, the with with musical melodies, in particular, I used to uh, when we were at school, um, kids would say to me "Oh, can you work out how to play this on the guitar and I'd work it out and score it out for them and trade it for comics Um, which was quite good fun at the time you know but I I knew I had quite a good ear to be able to memorise melodies repeat them back in fact when I was at college I probably shouldn't admit this when I was at college um, I'm terrible at sight reading music okay yep Um, and they uh they wouldn't let you take your bass in with you so you couldn't you know work it out if you heard it but I managed to memorise a sort of 32 bar piece just before you know and then went in and played it and scored a distinction (laughs) and um, wing the prayer uh, Paul Scott I think he was doing that uh, examination uh, as bass teacher he said that was brilliant Matt I can't fault it it was absolutely superb Uh, next time you might want to look at the right page
2: (laughs) (laughs) sorry sorry. Um,
1: but yeah so I've always had kind of a good ear to do that yeah um I should maybe brush up on my sight reading. I've just never.
0: I hey, just too lazy. To you've do gone that. this far. What, <laughs> <I> mean, you've <laughs> gone forty years. Yeah, what's the point? Just, just too lazy to do it. You touched on comics there. You're a comic book fan, or are you kind of grown out of that? Or are you still picking it up?
1: I still do. I, we went into a Forbidden Planet in uh, Glasgow, and um, I was immediately like, "Oh, I really like this one." Now, the, a lot of the guys we're touring with in the support band in, uh, that we've got with a band called Good Tiger are old friends of ours. Um, and also our drummer Ben He's, you know, they're they're all comic book fans and know a lot more about it than I do. But um, yeah, I used to I used to enjoy buying or trading comics for guitar tablature.
0: Any comic in particular you were a fan of? I, I ask because I'm I quite enjoy my comics as well.
1: I just really like Sandman. Big fan of Preacher. Garth Ennis'
0: stuff is. Uh, yeah. Did you read the Boys? I didn't. Oh, dude, I Love that. This is still my favourite comic. Really? Yeah. Just the idea of a, a group of four people, five people having to police these superheroes who seem very wishy like right, yeah, really yeah, yeah. Uh, white and white but they're just all doing drugs and orgies and right. murdering and raping and it's mm. just a it's a re- if it like it's a Garth NS comic yeah so no if, I'm, I'm
1: aware of it I just, I've never got around to reading it but yeah it's get an um, opportunity definitely. It, well, that was like in fact that largely brings us back to the fact that I, you know once we started going oh well, you know we should we should be a band with uh, schoolmates and stuff I like, we remember sort of 14-15 mm. was when there wasn't really time for anything else. There was just sit there listening to music, trying to work out how they're playing it, and then making your own music, you know.
0: I mean, we kind of touched on, before we, we turned on the mic, that you're not really a massive punk fan. You know what, I'd, I'd, as
1: far as genres go, you know, Frank and Ben will sit there going on about, you know, this is this is grindcore, or this is such and such. And for me, it's, um, it's kind of like, no, I, I have absolutely <laughs> no knowledge of it at all. That said... Frank will play me a track and I'll go I do not understand this at all he'll play me another track and I'll say that's absolute genius yeah you know I wouldn't know how to bracket it I wouldn't know what the the subgenre is or anything like
0: that if someone said what's punk they might put on the Sex Pistols or the Ramones or the Clash I was talking about this
1: yeah what confused me in my younger years as a child was that my idea of what punk was didn't Really sound like it. Sex Pistols Sex, sounds like a rock band to me. Yeah. I mean, it's only really John Lydon's vocal that really pushes it out there and stretches it. If you listen to the guitar tones and stuff, for me personally, yeah. I'd be like, that sounds rock- rockier than I expected mm. the most legendary punk band on, in history to sound, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm, uh, my, my knowledge of the genre is if it sounds good, it sounds good. If it doesn't, you know. <laughs> sound check they are i'm afraid they are uh, <laughs> sounding out the pa with the rockest track that they could find uh, <laughs> it's can you still
0: hear me yeah yeah so what is the music that you that that kind of pushed you to more guitar based music like was there a band that you heard and you've gone oh i really enjoyed them and then they kind of led down the path of discovering more music yeah well when i was when i was younger so when i was at school you know we
1: I was really we really, really liked like me and my mates really into Faith No More um, Soundgarden you know Nirvana and that that, that kind of uh, that kind of guitar stuff was you know immense and like sitting down trying to work out Soundgarden tracks is is so much fun because so they, they use all these weird tunings and you know it's just it's, it's just totally my bag and yeah I mean then, and then you try and reproduce that sound yourself with a dodgy <clears throat> distortion pedal you've bought for 40 <laughs> yeah. quid and yeah, yeah. Uh, an encore guitar and a 10 watt amp and you're like this sounds awful you know <laughs> sounds, this wrong? sounds bloody awful um but um yeah i've always into, i've always been into guitar based stuff just probably very different to i mean i know you know ben and frank were, you know, big black flag fans and yeah, stuff yeah. like that and you know, I'd, I'd, ne- I'd never even got anywhere near it i was aware of them just i was just Gone down a different Different path
0: So what would your Record collection look like then Is it a lot of classical Or is it jazz It's pretty mixed There's not very much jazz in it I mean um, I mean Yeah like
1: I'm really uh, Into Going back Listening to um, Like Hot Snakes And stuff uh, Frank kind of uh, Quite kindly Said oh you should You know check these out Mm. Like many years ago He said and I, I thought it's you know, phenomenal, so um, that was what I was listening to on the way. in but yeah, my record collection is pretty fit. I, I think it's pretty varied. But like, see, so it's got. So you've got sort of Faith No More and maybe some Rage and Nirvana and things like that. Yeah. But I'm, you know, as I, when I was a kid, I was really into Depeche Mode. Yeah. was a keyboard stuff. As, yeah. Um, yeah, it's varied. I've got quite a lot of soundtrack stuff in there. In fact, for my uh, 40th birthday, my mum bought me a, a USB turntable. Which I was very happy about. Bluetooth one, which is pretty cool. Uh, And um, 40th anniversary John Williams score for the um, original Star Wars film. Nice. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm. Yeah, I mean, it's. I'd love to. I think when I'm uh, hopefully a bit more. a bit better at it, I'd love to, you know, just score films, you know, seven days a week. That'd be
0: great. One one of my favourite gigs, and it's not even a real proper gig, is a. at the Royal Albert Hall, they did a live orchestra for Jurassic Park, and I, I saw the ET one. Fucking loved it. Did you enjoy it? It was amazing. It was my it like made that movie. That's my favourite movie ever.
1: Is but it now? yeah, I love Jurassic Park. <laughs> like I'm a dinosaur. I must like admit, kid. I think
2: I
0: prefer the
1: score to the film. <laughs> yeah. I do. Yeah. Yeah. yeah our um, tour manager for Mongrel Hall, who's also Frank Turner's production manager, Mr. Douglas Murphy. He's a big fan of uh, the uh, Jurassic Park thing. <laughs> the Jurassic Park. He's, he's, he's singing, "It's a dinosaur." Very. <laughs> that's know, what we sing. Yeah, is, yeah. yeah He loves it. Um, but yeah, no, I, I, yeah. I, we saw, saw ET, and it was mm. just phenomenal.
0: It's, Almost brought a tear to the eye. It was that good. I mean, was, well, that's the power I feel of like a full like, orchestra. But I think because you can feel it inside you, like it, it brings out that emotion of. I don't know. It's a, it's a weird thing, but then that's music, isn't it? Really, music it is affects indeed. you in any way that you, you want it to affect. They're really cranking it. <laughs> uh, so, you kind of touched on the fact that you've had a spate in your career whereabouts unemployment has hit you. So, as a freelancer, yeah, uh, I know when, like, when there's no work, it can get harsh. And you kind of spoke on the yeah. fact that you had a little bit of time where there's unemployment. Yeah, was there any a moment whereby you have gone? This music trying to do music as a career is done. I can't make it work. Oh yeah, t- t- totally,
1: yeah. I totally, yeah. I mean it, it is, in my 20s, you know, it was it was very tough. I was doing other bits. In fact, before I landed the uh, Blues Brothers gig, I was a secret shopper. Oh yeah, yeah. With a, with a ca- camera in my tie, driving uh, some Audi. Uh, and I was testing out like um, the tire places, so yeah. going in and, and vetting them and filming them and writing a report and sending it to their main office. Um, in fact, I was actually filming when I got the call, so I'd got that gig, and I was like, "Right, brilliant, thanks." And he's like, "You don't sound very happy about it." I went, "Can I call you back, Steve?" <laughs> you know, <laughs> kind of, yeah, and I found it back very excited, and you know, but, um, yeah, I, I I was a security guard for quite some time, yeah, in this city, Deutsche Bank and Barclays and such things. And was it as bad as it might have been? No, no. Like- well, like, I think I was, I was actually working at the Department of Health in Whitehall for a while as well, which was. But, you know, I found it quite interesting, and also, yeah, it's it's very difficult to spend any money if you're working twelve-hour shifts, six days a <laughs> yeah, week. It. You know, yeah. It's like I'd start at either six a.m. until six p.m. or do six p.m. to six. A. You know, you do one or the other. Yeah, and you, you know, especially the nights one, you just don't have a chance to spend any money. So that was quite handy. Yeah. I could pay my rent and such Were you always
0: London London based I moved to London in 96 Were you from like A small town before Or you I was born in Northampton But I grew up in Milton Keynes Oh really So still like A new city town Was it At that point in time
1: Yes I think it was They used to advertise In the 80s In other towns So come to Milton Keynes Which people would rip us off If we went on a school trip And we were like We don't know what you're talking about They don't put adverts for Milton Keynes In Milton Keynes
0: of touched on musical scores and doing movies what kind of movies would you want to do like is there a movie that you've seen and you've gone fuck I wish I'd done that I mean touched T. yeah, E.T., yeah
1: but- to- well totally totally as a, I mean as a kid you know quite varied but like the, the, the genre of the film but like I mean in the 80s there were so many amazing movies came out and yeah. the scores to which I was just absolutely fascinated the, where you know how you orchestrate that how you arrange that for like a you know 60 piece orchestra was just
0: it was, it was wizardry to me when you said 80s my my mind instantly went to night rider no dun, 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 dun. And, a good theme. yeah and beverly hills cop
1: beverly hills cop you know harold faltermeyer at his best but it, for me no it was it was things like i mean goonies i thought yeah. the score for that was incredible and like you know, Back to the Future, and So like.
0: Spielberg movies.
1: Well, not not, but you know, they're the kind of f- films that you watch when you yeah. when you're a kid. But but no, there's. I mean, I mean, late, later than that, I thought you know, I thought John Ottman's score for The Usual Suspects was just off the scale. Mm-hmm. You know, Jan Tiersen's score for Amelie. is probably one of my favourites. I've never watched Amelie. It's incredible. Yeah, what an incredible film. I will put on my to do. But I mean, I it's I honestly. Don't know if that's Just because I love The score so much
0: hmm. you know? So so what kind of Movies are you into Like you are Like a really Deep, deep Strapping kind of Person or Are you like <laughs> Fuck it Just put on uh, Harold and Kumar guess the manchies uh,
1: No I've never seen that I've <laughs> never <laughs> seen that no, Dude did. you are missing out I know I took the t- piss out that's, of it, But well, it's that's a funny said, film That's it I think it's, it sounds Like it would be The same thing uh, Same kind of genre I watched Pineapple Express <laughs> yeah. Once When I was Slightly drunk And I thought it was hilarious. Um <laughs> Never gone back to it Sober want <laughs> no, to ruin no, at the no. moment. Uh, Movies. <laughs> growing up, I'm a massive, massive James Bond fan. Because when I was very young, my, the, the video shop on the corner was closing. And my dad went, Oh, I'll just, you know, they'd sell them off really cheap. They had like the first seven Bond films. And I used to just watch them on repeat. I was just, uh, just absolutely fascinated with him. So I think my my earliest, you know, love of, of film scoring was John Barry doing like the early scores. So who is your Bond? Well. Connery, but I think
0: Daniel Craig's amazing. I think he's a, he's a fantastic Bond. It's amazing how much shit that guy got just for having blonde hair. Like, a blonde hair Bond. Yeah. People were like, holy yeah,
1: fuck. Yeah, I know. People are silly, though. About these <laughs> People are just I mean, dumb. I thought Casino
0: Royale was fantastic, you know. I thought it was, it a really was yeah. Film. I think whatever the last one was, I thought that was a bit of a dud. Spectre, I, I thought it had... Um the beginning sequence was like holy fuck this film is going to be amazing yeah it had
1: had its moments I love the idea of them reintroducing you know his old arch nemesis
0: okay I mean let's bring it back to Mongahore then Um, so Horde are a band that I I generally find pure joy in because they're just fun oh I'm glad they're a fun band Um, kind of a question I'm going to ask you that we already kind of spoke about off air but uh, have you ever done like a hardcore band or a punk band I mean Frank and um, uh, the Sleeping Souls for me are a punk band but that's my personal opinion, mainly because it's attitude again uh, and <laughs> energy. Well, I can't wait for you to do the new album. <laughs> well, I've been told. Right, that's one of my questions later on. But, I mean, with Mongo Horde, have you ever played, like, a heavy band before?
1: No, well, we, like I said, when we were playing when we were teenagers, you know, with the Faith No More Influence, we wanted to be, a, you know, out there, heavy, screamy mic pattern. But yeah. it's, it's very difficult to do well. Yeah, so that's, that's the thing. That's the first first respect I had for a heavier side of life. So not not really anything like this, no. And we didn't really know what what was going to happen with this. Frank said many years ago, he said, "I really want to do a band with Ben again. I miss Ben." I was like, "Right, okay." And he <laughs> so said, "I want to run a baritone guitar <laughs> yeah. through a guitar ring and a bass rig at the same time, and I want you to play it." I was like, "Okay, I don't, you know, give me a list, give me a listening um, playlist of yep. what you like And so he gave me this, this list of songs and uh, he's like right do you think you can do that and I went I can I don't really want to because I think most <laughs> of this is shit um, and it's true and you know for, for me you know and I, I must admit I have, I've grown to appreciate quite a lot of the stuff on the playlist now One, what some of the tracks that I did really like were like he put some Converge tracks on it and stuff yep. like that which were phenomenal um, which so at the time when we would spoken about it Frank's record label had asked For us to record a B-side I think To I still believe For our Wembley show Wembley Arena show And we were in America at the time So he contacted uh, Mr Kurt Ballou From Converge Who he knew had a studio In Massachusetts, Where we were So he said Kurt would you mind tracking This Queen cover That we need to put on a 7 inch We need to get it done really quickly He said yeah no worries Come over We're sitting there in his You know his mixing room I spotted the guitar on the wall and I was like, is that the the Converge guitar? And he's like, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I said, oh, what make is it? He was, I was God City Instruments is mine. I built it. I was like, really? <laughs> he went, yeah. I went, have you ever built a baritone? And he kind of looked around at me and he went baritone eh and I said yeah Frank wants to put it through a guitar rig and a bass rig at the same time and he looked like an excited child <laughs> I said, yeah, but you could, you could do this and you could split the, the, and you could send one pick up there and, one, and then kind of hurried off and then came back and then said yeah I'll build, I'll build you a guitar so he built the guitar that I play um,
0: so you have a one of a kind yeah. no one else in the world has no. that guitar as
1: far as I know I don't think he's built any more baritones I mean yeah. GCI make phenomenal guitars I mean yeah. he built some lovely stuff his business card is a Schematic for a guitar pedal. So, if you know what you're doing, you can do a yep. bit of soldering. You can build a distortion pedal with this business card. I mean, the guy's a genius. That is sweet. Um, but yeah, so a couple of the, you know the tracks that Frank had played me, converged that I thought were brilliant. You know, yeah, and I was like, I really like that, but I, I can't
0: do that. You know let's 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 go in the rehearsal room and see what happens so i mean when you got in that rehearsal when you got in that rehearsal room mm. what was it was it just like anarchy or was it some structure to what you were trying to do and trying just to start ma- making some riffs and and uh, you know i think
1: what was what was one of the first things we did maybe tapeworm out rising so why natalie portman by the way i was frank he literally <laughs> came up with that on the spot as well yeah like like, Ben and I we were absolutely pissing ourselves. And we generally do every night. I mean, you, you forget what some, some crazy lyrics he's put in.
2: Those small moments of horror in celebrity bathrooms, as the data dropped intact and a planet was hacked for the plans of a new proud nation. Republic of Takeovers. A free republic of Takeovers.
1: It was quite interesting really with some of the tracks on the album. I didn't make up all the guitar parts Frank made up some you know Um, Ben wrote Winky Face the Mark of a Moron yeah. um, on like a programme and then said oh can you learn this and I was like Jesus and I was like so that took me a while I gave the guitar to Frank and said look you just play some chords so I can get a sound together this was on the second rehearsal and he just played the first four chords that came to mind so I switched them all around and that was the chorus to uh, waiting and found wanting uh, tapeworm riff was one that i had in mind for a little while mm. that kind of muted thing uh, and then yeah, they all just kind of and then that was kind of the first batch, and it was kind of like this sounds pretty cool you know this, you know it sounds pretty heavy, even though it 's not that heavy in what it is you mm. know um, and then we went away, and then Ben and I wrote the music for the rest of the album in two days and then we went to a studio and recorded the whole album in a day and a half I think and, and did, did you
0: enjoy that as in yeah, like it's great. out and then it's done yeah I did we'll I mean in
1: it. retro I mean with album 2 I wouldn't I, I, I think I would would like a little bit more time to do it maybe a bit more quality control certainly on for more my playing than, than anything I'd want to play a little bit tighter and, and that maybe Spend some time getting some different sounds together, but yeah, no, it was, it was a great
0: fun, you know. Any idea when you might be able to get a new album out? When Frank Turner gives us a day off, yeah, <laughs> literally, yes, when when you you've got a spare moment. I think this has already been spoken about, but I'm kind of interested in it. The Olympics, so you played the Olympics. Yeah, what did, what were you doing there? What, what what were you playing? Like, were you part of a, a big group of people who were up on uh, with, with the Who, or what what was you you were doing? So. We, Frank, got a call from Danny Boyle
1: saying, I'd really like you to come play.
0: Oh, so you were on stage with Frank on top of that hill? Yeah. Oh, I see, I didn't know that. Yeah. So ah, yeah. we
1: were all set up on the mini Glastonbury tour, I think it was. Mm. So there was um, Emily Barker in the Red Clay Halo and Jim Lockie in the Solemn Son, who are all pals of ours, doing backing vocals and um, violin and accordion and such, such like. And then we're set up at the base of the hill. Um, but yeah he'd, he'd said Would you mind Coming coming down And playing The Olympic opening ceremony We were like Duh <laughs> yeah. You know That'd be amazing um, So the, the opening ceremony Was on the Friday um, And they were putting us up In a hotel Knightsbridge I think somewhere for, From the Monday And we went down to Line check and stuff On the Monday I remember turning round To uh, Miss Anna Jenkins Of the Red Clay Halo Saying this is going to be mental tonight, isn't it? And she went, no, the gigs on Friday. I went, yeah, we we've got two full run-throughs with a sold-out stadium tonight and Wednesday, and nobody had told them. Frank hadn't told them. was <laughs> like Frank, have you told them that we've got we're paying to, you know, we're paying to like hundred and sixty thousand people before Friday. Yeah, and he was like, oh no no I didn't. <laughs> and so they were like, oh. so yeah, it was manic week, but it was it was surreal. It was yeah. absolutely surreal. The, the 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 opening ceremony night. I nearly mean, you know, the green room area. I I very nearly walked into and took his nose off with David Beckham. i d I'd had a cup of tea. A cup of tea with J. K. Rowling kind of thing and yeah. I was Some of those... I was bumming cigarette papers from Mike Oldfield <laughs> and refereeing a FIFA match between Dizzy Rascal and the drummer out of the Arctic Monkeys. It was odd. It was an odd day. But I mean it was fun.
0: Yeah. I mean but that's that's history. Like that is literally now whenever someone replays the Olympics. Mm like the opening ceremony is something that i think everyone remembers yeah like, so, you guys yeah. are now part of like proper history
1: yeah it's pretty cool
0: it is pretty badass yeah, it's pretty cool um so let's talk about frank Turner's sleeping souls yeah. um so how did that come about and did you know the amount of commitment you were going to have to make for this band because you're never off the road like you've already said
1: yeah no i mean uh so they'd been playing since 2006 yeah so Frank's first release is, is them playing on it and stuff like that um, and it being his touring band he was doing merch for a band called Ruben after Million Dead split up Ruben was playing on a bill with Dive Dive who's Ben Lloyd, Tarrant Anderson, Nigel Powell okay, yeah. uh, and their singer Jamie so they, um, Frank said would you come and record my first recordings and can we go on the road and so, so. so they'd already started uh, I met Nigel Powell at a poker game in Oxford around uh, a mutual friend's house Yeah, and he mentioned that Andy York who was the singer in Nigel's old band The Unbelievable Truth was doing a solo album and he, we needed a, a live guitarist and keyboard player so I auditioned for that, got that we supported Frank on tour Frank approached me and said could you come play keys for us because our keys player uh, Miss Kira Hayder is leaving mm-hmm. Um, and I said, great, yeah, sure. What are we looking at? And he said, like, we've got we've got the Love Iron song tour coming up. Um, here are the dates. And I looked at the dates, and because I was doing a co- lot, quite a lot of um, corporate gigs with my covers band at the time, playing guitar and, stuff, um, if I'd have done the gigs, I'd have lost like two and a half grand. Yeah. Um, even with what he, he could pay me, you know, which you know early days wasn't very much. But I was like, dude, I'd love to do it. I love your music, but I can't afford to lose that. Yeah. Okay, fair enough. So then he came back to me and said, right, I can do slightly more money per gig. It's still not very much But It's a string of 14 dates I think it was In October uh, Do you want to do it and I said yeah So I sacked off You know I'd got a debt For my cover stuff And Annoyed my originals band um, <laughs> That I was playing with immensely um, And quite rightfully so um, And then went on the road And on the first gig we did Which was Leeds Cockpit uh, Frank got a call saying Radio 1 had picked up The single at the time And Sarah yeah. Cox was playing it So it kind of went Huh oh, and then we went so we started off doing sort of 300 caps on that tour and then that gear in fact that tour first tour I did with Frank the London show was here and we were all super excited that it was like oh my god we've sold 800 tickets that's absolutely incredible you know so it's yeah it was uh, it was really cool yeah
0: do you, do you have family like you got any kids or anything like that? I have a son. So how is that when you're constantly touring? Like well, how do you make s- that my balance? Son, my
1: son is uh, going to be 1 in 2 weeks. So I've only actually had to leave for 4 weeks once yep. and it was awful. Yeah. Um, this this I went home last night instead of staying on the tour bus to Psych so team today as well and, and my and my girlfriend and it's you know it's yeah it's really tough but you know as much as I love my job, I also have to pay the bills. Okay, yeah, yeah, so. yeah. But yeah, so it is tough. It is, it is tough. No, I didn't know it was going to be this this much gigging. But frankly, I mean, I, I enjoy it. I mean, yeah. it's, it's a great job.
0: How do you spend so much time with these people though, and not? You have to know. You have to know
1: people's boundaries. Yeah, you have to know when not to push buttons, and and you know, you know any. And, you know, if we're on the road for longer than three or four weeks, you know, yeah, there'll be a point in every tour where everybody's a little bit... Tetchy. Tetchy, yeah. and, yeah, you know, we'll you know, have a dig at each other and that kind of thing. But generally, it's it's all... It's, you know, we get on really well. But it's partly the reason why we still do it, you know. Yeah. I'd, I think... And also, probably the reason... But we're probably the least rock and roll band on the road, you know. It's not sex, drugs and rock and roll by any means. It's kind of beer and... Bed <laughs> do, do you know what I mean yeah, I think yeah. if we were uh, On our systems With Terrible drugs And uh, And all kinds of bits Like that I don't think we would Still be doing it Because I yeah. think you can Burn out pretty easily don't like it?
0: But yeah It's a Nice glass of Pinot Noir And bed <laughs> Well I mean let's, let's start talking Let's kind of Move forward And um, Start wrapping this up cause I know You need to go And do sound check. Thank you So new album With Frank You've already kind of Spoke about the fact That it's going to be Something completely different I'm not And just, I mean Frank has already said that he is going to be completely different. It's pretty different. Is is that something you're exciting about or is it something you're quite right. nervous about? Because for you I'm not nervous. for you if a lot of fans who like me like kind of the energetic really punky kind of side of things and they leave that's money out of your pocket. But it doesn't it doesn't really come down to that. The fact is is that it, you you
1: can if you want keep releasing the same album. Yeah. Right? And you might do very well out of it you might stop touring you might completely knock it on the head because you're just thinking you know what's the point you're not you know you're not actually pushing yourselves you're not doing and it's, and then again there's a fine line between that and, and doing something different for the sake of doing something different um, I, I think it's just the fact is is that yeah it, losing fans um, isn't I mean for me it's, it's not really a concern because for I think for, I don't think I think you can still hear it's Frank's Turner in the sleeping songs yeah very much so and people that are into it I think will be really into it I think I, I think it's a phenomenal album I think Francis has absolutely outdone himself with his songwriting this time
0: let's kind of finish up with one of my favourite questions is uh, what was your first big mistake what was my first big, big mistake. mistake? Yeah.
1: This is one of my earliest memories. I was at nursery or like a <laughs> yeah, yeah. like kind of really it was like, like a playgroup or kind of thing, right? Yeah. And I remember trying to impress a girl and saying, Watch this and do some kind of ninja move and <laughs> I went head first off of a um, climbing frame into the floor and had to go to hospital. But I remember Specifically Remember saying Watch this (laughs) (laughs) That was my first Big mistake I think Excellent well Thank you Matt Thank you very
0: much Cheers
1: If you can't make your meaning plain with all the richness of the English language and you have to
3: resort to cartoon faces made with punctuation marks, you're a dick.
0: Welcome back, and thank you to Matt and the good people over at Extra Mile and the Press Council PR who set up this interview. And thank you to you for downloading and listening to the podcast. Uh, Please spread the word and tell your mates about the podcast. Let's get to number two as the best punk podcast going. I don't even fucking know number two is. I'm not even sure we number three. I kind of made that up earlier, but you'll believe anything i say so keep believing even if that was a lie i feel each week the podcast is getting better and better but i need you guys to help so please keep your positive reviews coming in check out the website and social media via at punks and pubs please 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 do tell people though let's not pretend like this is our little secret let's go mainstream let's tell people if you are going to a punk show and someone falls down you ping them right back up playing out the show this week is a wonderbar pop punk band try saying that when you're fucked from munich germany called a perfect mess with the track roses until episode nine i love you bye-bye
3: To go in Down Under When I met her in the summer Yeah, I was skin to raise narrow, Which I needed for my Pajero.